Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings, Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 8th edition of the sunny side of sports. Coming up on Monday show, I'll chat with VOA's Mike Hove and Muckbill Yabaro about the upcoming Africa Cup of Nations football tournament in Ivory Coast. Also, Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com, talks with Iron Mike Mbonye about a big increase in Nations Cup prize money. And in tennis, Craig Gabriel will have a report on Germany lifting the United Cup in Australia. Joining me now here in Studio 22 is the dynamic duo of Mike Hove and Muckbill Yabaro. Sporty greetings, fellas. What's good, Sonny? What's good? Sporty greetings, Sonny. What's going on? Bonjour, fellas. Uh, Muckbill, <laughs> packing your bags for Abidjan. Uh, I know it's got to be exciting, Muckbill, but... Who do you think are the top teams uh, to watch in Ivory Coast? Bonjour, bonjour, Hassani. Uh, yeah, I got to first practice the French, you know, before I get to Côte d'Ivoire. Uh, but uh, if I were to say, obviously, um, this is not a hot take or anything. Reigning champion Senegal should be on everyone's top. The reigning champs of uh, Senegal should be on the top for everybody. Um, outside of that, I would say Morocco. Um, Morocco has just landed in Cote d'Ivoire. Mm-hmm. Um, that goes to show you, you know, the the importance of this tournament. You know, a couple of years ago, a team that performs like that in the World Cup might come the day before their tournament actually starts. Uh, but really, it shows you how important it is for them to get this win. Um, so they are here. I would say Morocco, Egypt. You know, we have Mo Salah um, saying that he cannot wait to get back out there because if we remember last AFCON, he just lost uh, to his then teammate, uh, Sadio Mane. That's right. Uh, So, uh, yeah, I I would say those three teams, and let me throw in Nigeria as well, even though they haven't had that great of a run in their World Cup qualifiers, they have some really hot players that we'll go into uh, shortly. Let me turn it over to Mike Hove. Well, uh, Mukbel, before you head out, man, I'm really curious. Who are the players to watch out for, man? Yeah, absolutely. So if we're going to start off, uh, you know, keep it consistent with Senegal. Sadio Mane, uh, folks have said that, you know, he really wasn't on form when he went over to Bayern for a bit. Now he's with uh, Al Nasser over mm-hmm. in uh, the pro league that, you know, folks are kind of shaky about a little bit. But he is performing well alongside uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I would say... Sebastian Haller, you know, maybe a name that maybe is not too familiar to mm-hmm. a lot of folks that don't watch. Uh, I love you know, the name. Yeah. Holler for yeah, Holler. Holler. <laughs> they're they're, they're going to holler. They're going to holler for They're going to holler for Holler, absolutely. So I, I would think, uh, yeah, he, he plays at the moment in the Bundesliga for mm-hmm. um, uh, Dortmund. So mm-hmm. he's one to watch for Ivory Coast, man. I, I really think playing with this home crowd, he is going to be a player to watch. Another player, I would say, my usual, Mohamed Kudus. Kudos for kudos. kudos. You know, <laughs> kudos for kudos. He, he's another young fellow, you know, probably, I would say, the best buy in the Prem this oh, yes. year. Definitely. For an African player. Let's just say that, you know, because I think Declan Rice was a hell of a buy as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, 
Mohamed Kudus. I, I think those are some of the players that I'm excited to watch. Um, you know, I, did I mention Mohamed Salah? Or did I almost try to skip out on Mo Salah? <laughs> you left out Victor Osimhen. Victor Osimhen, Victor Boniface. I call them Victor Squared. These two young men are so hot. And this is the reason why I put a Nigeria on that list earlier. You know, the dynamic duo. Up front, they're going to be up, tough. They're going to be. The, the question will be can Nigeria get it to them? Because if mm-hmm. they can get it to them in that. In that and third, Once it's gonna it's gonna, it's gonna be problematic for anybody. Muck Bill, I know you got some Afcon prep work to do, but before you go, uh, what about the home team? Do you think the the crowd can get behind them? What what are their chances of winning the trophy? I like I like Ivory Coast's chances, man. Coming out, um, if we just got to look at what they did um, in the World Cup qualifiers, they put up some monster numbers. You mm-hmm. know, uh, sometimes though the problem is when. Ivory Coast, when nobody really expects them to do well, they do well. When the expectations are too high, sometimes they might not live up to it. But I think with the home crowd, you know, screaming for them, and like I said, this young man, uh, Sebastian Holler, I really do think that they have a team that is capable of at least coming out of their group. They are in that group with Nigeria, Group A. So I'm excited to see what they do. But, you know, if I, if I was to look at other potential teams to, to come out, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Mali. You know, Mali is another team mm. that I, I have in mind as a potential dark horse. Uh, and also keep in mind a team like Algeria. Mm-hmm. Algeria mm-hmm. has high-quality players across the board uh, that people may think may be over, you know, the hump. Slimani, mm-hmm. uh, the likes mm-hmm. of Riyad Mahrez. Uh, but I, I think they have potential to, uh, to also shake it up. Mukbil Yabaro, safe travels to Abidjan, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you maybe later this week on the sunny side of sports. Absolutely appreciate y'all, man. (laughs) Mike Hove, Mukbil was talking about the Atlas Lions being Mm -hmm. the first team to arrive in Ivory Coast. Is that a sign maybe that they're taking this tournament very seriously? To me, that screams they're hungry to to prove, uh, to break the curse that they've had. They haven't won AFCON in a very, very long time. Um, I was reading a couple of articles. Walid Regagrui is showing that he is taking this very, very seriously. Um, you know, the Atlas Lions, of course, were the most recent successful team uh, at the FIFA World Cup. And so they're trying to keep that stature and make sure that people really, really, really note what Morocco brings to the table when it comes to African football. The Moroccans now moving into sub-Saharan Africa, Mike. Do you see that as a problem for North African teams like Morocco and Algeria and Egypt, for that matter? Well, it's going to be really interesting to see. I mean, if we're going to stick to the quality of the team itself, Morocco really has it. Mm. Um, they've got a lot of standout players. Uh, Yassin, Bounou, Ashraf, Hik- uh, Hakim. They've got a lot of players that really have it in them to make sure that uh, the Atlas Lions... And they brought the World Cup squad. They don't have a squad that this is just for AFCON. This is just... They brought the team that is there for the team. Um, so it's really going to be intriguing to see what they can bring to the table. Coach of the year uh, in 2023 was Reg Ragui for mm-hmm. Morocco. Uh, how important is he to Morocco lifting the trophy on February 11th? 
he's played a very, very pivotal role uh, for the Atlas Lions, the same way that the uh, Senegalese coach played a pivotal role. And the beauty behind these two coaches is that both of them have experience on the field. Um, You know, as an athlete, I used to be an athlete myself, you have a different type of respect for your coach when he's been through the gutters, Mm. when when he knows what he's talking about. When he's talking strategy, he understands the importance of executing certain things at a certain time. And so I think both coaches are going to play a very pivotal role in terms of grooming the squad in terms of bringing the right players at the right time and in terms of strategy for both Senegal and Morocco. Uh, The Moroccans first to arrive. Any other teams uh, scheduled to be in uh, Abidjan next few days? So a couple of teams are scheduled to arrive in the next couple of days. Among them, of course, is going to be Nigeria's Super Eagles. They actually played today and they won 2-0 in their last, uh, I guess, preparatory game. Was that Um, against Guinea? Yes, it was against Guinea and they won 2-0. So this is something that really is showing that they've turned it up a notch because prior to that, they had played two games, uh, World Cup qualifiers, one against Zimbabwe and I can't really remember who it was. Uh, the next one was, but they drew both games. Okay. Uh, which, which initially I was like, that's really skeptical considering the firepower that uh, the Super Eagles have to play against Zimbabwe, for example. They really should have blown them out of the park. But to draw was a really loud statement, something to applaud for Zimbabwe as a small nation. However, something to note for the Super Eagles. But after today's performance, they showed that they're really ready to turn it up. And I'm looking forward to seeing what the likes of Victor Osimhen and Boniface can do uh, for the Super Eagles. Yeah, Muckbill seems like he's uh, pretty excited to watch them up front. It's something that's super exciting, Sonny. If you watch Victor Osimhen, for example, for me, he's definitely a player that I'm looking forward to seeing uh, hit the field during this AFCON tournament. The things he's done in Serie A, he's been a very dangerous player anybody with him, when he gets the ball in the box it's something to note and so Victor Osman is definitely someone to stand out and, and I'm really looking forward to of course next to him would be Mo Salah who's someone that I'm also looking forward to seeing hit the field I think this is likely going to be his last AFCON same as Sadio Mane so these are a couple of players that I'm looking forward to and I'm going these are the players to watch I'm Sonny Young, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. I'm talking with my VOA colleague, Mike Hove, about the upcoming Africa Cup of Nations. Up, uh, the opening match will be on Saturday between the home team, the Elephants of Ivory Coast and Guinea-Bissau. Also, I encourage you to tune in to our Kick It AFCON podcasts. Mike and I will be co-hosting that podcast. Yes, sir. Mike, uh, tell tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, this is going to be a super exciting uh, situation. We're all going to be talking nothing but AFCON, giving you up-to-date results fixtures, spotlighting a couple of standout players. And of course, Muckbull's going to be with us, uh, joining us from Ivory Coast on the ground. At times, we hope to have him in the stadium. (laughs) We're going to be giving you that live electricity that's coming straight from Ivory Coast. It's something that we're going to be looking forward to, Sonny. Now, the teams you've mentioned so far, Mike, uh, Egypt with Mo Salah. Of course. Nigeria with the reigning African football of the year, Mm -hmm. uh, Osimhen. the Atlas Lions of Morocco. What other teams do you see challenging for the title? Uh, Mukbo mentioned Algeria. I I actually predict that they might be the dark horse of this tournament. Um, they haven't done it in a very long time, but I think they've got the star power behind them. Uh, they've got a couple. There's also a couple other teams. DRC, for example, the DR Congo. They've got a couple of players that I'm looking forward to seeing hit the f- field. Uh, Cameroon uh, with um, Buemo. He's another player that I'm looking forward to see hit the field. Uh, of course, I'm looking forward to see how Andre Onana is going to perform. <laughs> uh, um, so, so there's a couple of teams that I think really have the firepower to, to 
to make it happen. I just don't know if they have it enough to take it to the top. Uh, teams that I expect to take it all the way are Egypt, Morocco, uh, Algeria, Nigeria. Those are definitely... And the hosts themselves, Ivory Coast. Mike, you mentioned Onana. I read one report that his schedule uh, at the beginning hectic, of this is going to be hectic, very busy. Very busy. Extremely hectic. So he's, he'll play for Man U yes, and so. then... Catch a, like then, a, jet. Catch, a, a quick a, flight, quick and he's flight. expected to play the very next day. I, I, I was actually having this conversation with another analyst, and I, and we both agreed that it's very unlikely that he will play in the first opening match because that quick flight and that transition, uh, it's going to be extremely hectic. Uh, <laughs> even if, best-case scenario, he comes off a high because Manchester United won and he's super excited, and he gets to Cameroon. By the time he's done with that flight, he's going to be really tired, Sonny. So for him to play another 90 minutes... Very unlikely. Now, if his uh, performance in Ivory Coast doesn't go well, mm -hmm. could he possibly like drop out of the rotation at Man U? It's going to be really exciting. Uh, one of the reasons why I, I firmly believe he stuck around is because of that situation where uh, his performance at United hasn't been the most stern performance. And so he, you have to stick around to make sure that your spot is going to be there when you come back. And, of course, that tells not just for Anana, it's for a lot of players that are going to AFCON. When you come back, is your spot still going to be there? Not everybody's a Victor Osman, not everybody's a Mo Salah who has been changing it up for their teams. Um, Onana's situation is very uh, interesting. He's, his performance at Man United is on and off, on and off, on and off. Um, and so, uh, uh, you know, his substitute, uh, Bayandir, is, is yet to hit the field. Mm. And, and so it's going to be exciting and intriguing to see how his performance is going to turn out uh, over the next couple of weeks with Onana out at AFCON. Uh, if Bayandera does well, who's to say that Onana would come back and secure his first spot? Lately, of course, since uh, the since Onana's moved to United, it's almost like the spot was just, here you go, this is yours. But with him out, if Bayandera is able to really make a statement, Lord knows what could happen for Onana. Mike, we have a report coming up on the record amount of prize money that will be awarded at the Nations Cup. Uh, $7 million yes, to sir. the winner, $4 million to the runner-up. Uh, the Confederation of African Football, of course, headed by billionaire Patrice Motsepe. Uh, how much impact has he had in his very short reign as president on on, on the uh, African football environment? I mean, Motsepe has been in football for a very long time with uh, Mamelodi Sounddowns, but since he's uh, reign with CAF as an official, I think he's really turned it up a lot. Um, he's done the most important thing, which is put money into the development of the sport. Um, we saw what he did recently with the Super League, right? Uh, mm. With Even though Mamelodi Sundowns won, it's really interesting to see that African football is now getting what it really needs the most, which is finances. Um, I think with the AFCON prize money, a lot of federations stand to gain a lot. But statements aside in terms of how much money, it's showing that authorities are really ready to put finances behind African football. And it also, would, Sonny, will take away from that brain drain of a lot of African players growing up. They all want to head and play in Europe. Right, But right. when there's money behind to right. be made in Africa, a lot of players will want to stay and play in the local leagues. That only will just generate and make sure that the local leagues get better and better. Mike, we've both heard stories of teams uh, in Africa arriving the day before a match, mm -hmm. even the day of yes, a sir. match to play. Mm -hmm. Here we have Morocco arriving uh, 10 days before yes, their opening match. This record prize money, can teams maybe stay a few extra days at a hotel and, and prepare? Who knows? Uh, I mean, it, it's there. 
it's there it's there for the taking now of course this money I- itself is not really too it's going to be dispersed once the tournament we know who the winner is who made since the finals etc uh but for me once again it goes back to that statement that morocco is trying to make the statement that nigeria is trying to make a lot of teams are there to make sure that people really know a it shows their respect for afcon which is something to be applauded B, it shows their respect for African football, which is something to be applauded. And C, it shows their respect towards the game itself to ensure that people know that they are here to play, they are here to be prepared, and they are here for the tournament. Finally, Mike, Mo Salah, the Egyptian talisman, of course. Uh, coming off a, a excellent performance for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Do you see him carrying over his heroics from the Premier League to Mo the Salah, Nations Cup? Like I said, this is likely his last AFCON. I think he's definitely hungry to make a statement. Uh, if he wins it again with Egypt, Egypt already have the record seven That's times. Right. <laughs> and so this would just make it eight. But I think this is definitely something that would solidify his legacy as an Egyptian legend. Um, he's, he's The way he's been playing in the English Premier League is amazing. Mm. He's taken mm. Liverpool to another height. This is not the first time. Of course, Liverpool has played well over the couple, that past couple of years. But definitely, the way that Mo Salah is playing is something that I'm looking forward to seeing. I think it's definitely going to be something that he carries Egypt across the lot. Because once again this is likely his last afcon and it being his last i'm sure he wants to carry it one more time talking africa cup of nations with voa's mike hove thank you mike appreciate it sonny the confederation of african football calf has announced a 40 percent increase in prize money for the 34th africa cup of nations competition the winner as i mentioned will receive seven million dollars while the runners-up will take home four million dollars for reaction Iron Mike Mbonye spoke with the chief football writer at ACLsports.com, Fisayo Dairo. I believe it is a laudable development coming from Africa's football governing body, CAF, as regarding the increment in the prize money of Africa's flagship football event, the Africa Cup of Nations. You will agree with me that money is the name of the game. And now that clubs and national teams they are yearning to get more from the participation in football matches because of what it takes to bring the players down from their respective clubs, because of what it takes to prepare teams adequately for these competitions, not to talk about logistics. I think it's only right that we have these prize monies being jacked up as sponsors increase. And I think it's one of the tenets of the administration of the South African CAF president, Patrice Mosepe, to have football teams enjoy the lion's share of what is coming in as a result of that football. Recently, we saw the African Super League. We saw clubs making lots and lots of money through that competition. We hope that with the increments of these national team competitions, it will also trickle down to the clubs. Because, yes, a lot of clubs in Africa have complained over the years that they do not get the value of what they spend in terms of traveling around the whole of Africa for interclub competitions. For this particular one, I think it's a very good development. It's laudable and I believe it's going to be the start to for the right thing because even the money is still not that sweet to hear in the ears, you know. So for this one, I think CAF has got its spot on and I hope that the teams can also make it count. They can also show us during the competition why much more money is needed in terms of prize monies 
for not just the winners, but the entire 24 teams participating at the Africa Cup of Nations. Kaf also said the winner will receive 7 million US dollars. Runner-up gets 4 million US dollars. Each of the two semi-finalists gets 2.5 million US dollars, while each of the four quarter-finalists will receive 1.3 million US dollars. Do you think this incentive will make the tournament more competitive? Well, I would say partially yes. And I'm saying that because I think there is no incentive too little to motivate footballers when it comes to playing the round letter game of soccer. Why? Because every aspect of motivation that is brought from their administrators, from their fans and what have you, always aggregate into what they take onto the field of play. But having said that, I think the Africa Cup of Nations will always serve, serve us the thrills, the excitement and top soccer art history whenever it is played. Why? Because it is a gathering of top soccer experts from Africa to across the globe. So whenever they come under the umbrella of their nations, hosting their respective national flags, they always give it their best without minding what the incentive or motivation is. That pride of wearing your national color supersedes every other thing for uh, for these footballers. And that's why I think that, uh, yes, the incentive will mean a lot, you know, in some respects. But regardless of it, we still expect the competition to be as competitive as ever. One particular aspect which I think the incentive will make a lot of sense for is for the federations, you know, I think it will assist them more in preparing adequately for the competition. Now, if you know that you stand to gain $7 million from winning the competition, I think an average federation can put in up to a million dollars in preparing their team, finding a suitable and top-notch campsite, preparing against tough oppositions to prepare them adequately for the competition. So it's a win-win across board. And like I said earlier, I hope that this is just the beginning of more financial input into African football. Fisayo, you covered the last AFCON tournament in Cameroon. Do you think highly ranked teams in the continent can win the AFCON title? Oh yeah, I do think that the favourites can have a big say as to who wins the Africa Cup of Nations at the end of the tournament. Yes, we know that football is a game played on the pitch and not on the paper, but you will agree with me that yes, you cannot look beyond some of these favourites going to this competition. And who are the favourites? The defending champions, Seranga Lions of Senegal, although the AFCON over the past five editions now have become a poison chalice in which the defending champions tend to falter the following edition. But Senegal are still there as one of the best teams in Africa. And, you know, aside them, we have the relief of the moment, the Atlas Lions of Morocco, who shocked the old world, the old world just over a year ago in Qatar. Of course, they will be hoping that this is the time for them to land that elusive continental title. And yes, Nigeria Super Eagles, complete with the reigning African Football of the Year, Victor Seaman, will also be hoping to make an impression after having their worst performance ever two years ago. And then, aside that, you have the likes of um, Egypt with Mohamed Salah as well. So, like I said earlier, surprises can happen. They might have upset here and there, but 
these are still the teams that are expected to go the extra mile, that are expected to make fans happy across the continent, and also expected to have their hands on the Golden African title by the 11th of February. That's Fisayo Dairo, the chief football writer at ACLSports.com. And Fisayo spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Quick correction on the sunny side of sports. Earlier in the show, we had Nigeria beating Guinea 2-0 in a friendly Africa Cup of Nations warm-up match. In fact, it was the other way around. Guinea defeated Nigeria 2-0 in that friendly played on Monday. Sporty greetings. This is Fisayo Dairu, chief football writer at ACLSports.com, and you are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Turning to tennis, Germany has lifted the United Cup trophy in Sydney, Australia. Craig Gabriel reports from Sydney. Germany have won the United Cup in a gripping final against favourites Poland with the final being decided by the mixed doubles just as Germany did the night before against Australia in the semis. Germany was match point away from losing the United Cup in the men's singles but Alexander Zverev is certainly the hero of the German side. Igor Svantec got Poland off to a flying start beating Angie Kerber 6-3-6 love. Then Herbert Herkatz had match points on Zverev in the men's singles but Sasha hung on by his fingernails to to turn the match around and win 6-7-7-6-6-4. The mixed had Zverev and Laura Siegerman clinch the doubles over Sviantek and Herkatz 6-4-5-7-10-4. It's a huge effort from Zverev who's fought through exhaustion of many very late nights. I feel like this format, especially the last three days where you know I had to play six matches and um, in three days' time, it's probably even more difficult than a slam, to be honest, because, you know, in a slam, yes, you you might be playing five sets, but you always have a, a day in between and you always kind of get the recovery. You always get, uh, you know, not to go back to 100%, but you go back to 90%, you know, 95, sometimes, sometimes 80. Here you don't have time, you know, yesterday I went to, or, yeah, today or yesterday, it's yesterday already. Um, I went to bed at 5.30 a.m. or 5.45 a.m. and, you know, I have to still get up out of bed and um, not feeling great, still play two matches. So, um, yeah, physically it, it, it is a very difficult event for sure. But, um, yeah, to be honest, this trophy makes it all worth it and I think winning it with this team makes it all worth it, so we're happy about that. A week out from the start of the Australian Open, the disappointment for Rafa Nadal, who's had to withdraw from the year's first major because of a micro-tear on a muscle. He was playing Jordan Thompson in Brisbane when he needed the physio to work on his upper left leg. He wasn't sure if it was serious or not, but an MRI in Melbourne revealed the tear, so he's heading back to Spain. In Hong Kong, Andre Rublev won his 15th career title, beating Emil Rusuviori 6-4-6-4. And in Auckland, New Zealand, Coco Goff claimed the title there for the second consecutive year, this time beating Elena Svitolina 6-7-6-3-6-3. It was quite a scream from Goff when she won. Across the ditch is the Tasman Sea, which separates New Zealand and Australia, is known. And in Brisbane, the women's and men's singles finals were both between the top two seeds. Elena Rabakina was right on the money against the number one seed Arena Sabalenka and swept through 6-love, six 6-3. Six, well, I think uh, the score doesn't show uh, 
the reality because all the games were quite tight to be honest and a um, couple of moments maybe I was a bit luckier and uh, I knew that no matter the score uh, it's going to be still difficult in the second set it was just few moments again where it could turn also other other way around and uh, uh, as I said I didn't expect that the scores are going to be like this but in the end I think it was uh, still not uh, as easy as it might look from outside. In the men's, it was again the second seed prevailing over the number one seed. Grigor Dimitrov beat Holger Rune 7-6-6-4, and that's the first title Dimitrov has won in seven years. A lot of emotions on so many different levels uh, for me. I think winning, clearly winning a title means a lot to me. It's been a while. Um, so I think having that, having that moment is, is, is what I'm, in a way, what I'm after. I think in also matches like that. Um, I think playing against uh, the top players and way younger than me as well, it's, um, it's a very good way for me to see where I'm at. It's his second Brisbane title. The last time was 2017. And the last title he won before this one was the ATP Finals in 2017. Craig Gabriel, VOA Sports, Sydney. Hi, I'm Francis Tiafo. You're listening to Sunny Side of Sports on Voice of America. Finally, in African athletics, Ethiopian long-distance runners Adisu Gobena and Tigis Ketema won the men's and women's titles at the Dubai Marathon. Ketema clocked a course record, 2 hours, 16 minutes, and 7 seconds. That's the fastest ever women's debut in marathon history. And Adisu Gobena also won on his debut at the marathon distance, finishing first overall in two hours, five minutes, and one second. There was another Ethiopian double victory in China. Asefa Kabede and Bekalech Gadetta won the men's and women's titles at the Shaman Marathon. Asefa Kabede had a winning time of two hours, six minutes, and 46 seconds. And Bekalech Gadetta won the women's race in two hours, 22 minutes, and 54 seconds. And that wraps up the January 8th edition of the show. Thanks to producer David Vandy. Thanks also to engineer Rob McLean. And thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports. I get it. 